Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. Henrik is the executive director of Sisters in Crime, and I am really, really delighted to welcome Olivia Matthews, aka Patricia Sargent, to the podcast today. Olivia Matthews is the cozy mystery pseudonym of award-winning national best-selling author Patricia Sargent. Patricia has been inspired by writers such as Walter Mosley, Dick Francis, and Tammy Hogue, who put ordinary people in extraordinary situations and have them find the hero inside. To learn learn more about her upcoming releases and events, visit patriciasargent.com. Patricia, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you so very much for the invitation, Julia. I'm super excited to chat with you. Well, I'm super excited too, and you've had such an interesting writing career so far, and we're going to be talking about that a lot more, but I, I always like to start at the very beginning. Um, when did you say to yourself, I want to write a book? Oh, okay. This is one of my favorite stories, so buckle up. When <laughs> I was in elementary school, we grew up walking distance to a library. My older sister is an excessive, an extreme bookworm, and she still is. She reads everything, every single thing. <laughs> <laughs> so every Saturday, we would go to the library, take out some books, and then the next week, we would bring the books back or renew them and take out new books. So it was like a weekly thing with us. In her mind, mm-hmm. we were reading the books, which, which I think is really very charming of her. In my mind, I was just spending time with my older sister because I would bring yeah. the books home, put them on the nightstand like a decoration, and then go play with my younger brother. And then the next week, I'd go and I'd take the books back. Well, one Saturday, she recommended Black Heart in Battersea by Joan Aiken. She read it, she loved it, and she thought that I would enjoy it too. So I was like, yeah, cool. I bring it home, put it on the nightstand, go play with my younger brother. The next week, I take it back to the library. And as I'm getting ready to give it back to the librarian, my sister looks at me and she says, did you read that? Well, Julie, I can't lie to her. <laughs> so I didn't say anything, but she looked so upset and disappointed that I renewed the book, went home, played with my brother, and then read the book. And I loved it. I was nine years old, and I hugged the book to my heart, and I said, one day, oh. I want to write something that makes people feel just like this. Oh, that's a wonderful story. <laughs> It, it was such a great book. It was such a great book. What was the title of it again? Black Hearts in Battersea. And it's part of a young adult um, fantasy series. Wow. And so what about it? What about it grabbed you? Was it the story in general? Was it, um, you know, what, what, what made you fall in love with that particular book? Oh, that's such an excellent question. When I was uh, in elementary school, before I went away to college, I would sit near my bedroom window and read. Something about that book 
made me completely forget where I was. It was it was a uh. fantasy adventure. And it had adventure and it had like like strange things, paranormal things, and it had humor and and love, familial love, friendship love. It was just it had everything. But it had such excellent pacing that it just grabbed me into the book and I forgot where I was. Yeah, that's the magic of books, oh, especially at that age, isn't it? Truly. I mean, yeah, no, it's wonderful. Now, did you, you know, start then thinking about your own stories or, you know, did you take writing classes in high school or college? Like, how did how did the writing journey start for you? Well, I got a blue spiral notebook and started writing little essays and poetry. And I would hide that, quote unquote, in a chest of drawers. In one of the drawers, in a chest of drawers that I shared with my sister in our bedroom. I didn't think anyone knew about the Blue Spiral Notebook. And then one day I got home from school and my mother was reading one of my short stories to my brother from the Spiral Notebook. <laughs> Now, I wow. tell this story, and people are kind of offended for me because they're like, she's invading your privacy. But you have to remember, I was an adolescent, and my mother just wanted to make sure I was okay. Yeah. So to me, yeah. it wasn't she was invading my privacy. It was more like, how did you know it existed, and how did you know it <laughs> And not only was she reading my stories to my brother as an example of how to write, but she had edited my story. She fixed punctuation and she fixed the typos. Like, wow, this is so <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, she must have been so proud of you. I mean, to, to do that and to take that kind of, was that unexpected or was she always encouraging you to be creative and, and to write and express yourself? She always encouraged us to do what we enjoy doing as long as we were not breaking the law. But she yep. never specifically said to, to me, oh, I, I, I'm so proud of your writing. I hope that you eat that. She, it was just like an unspoken thing. Because she'd yeah. ask about it sometimes. I remember Edgar Allan Poe was one of my inspirations. I don't think my mother really enjoyed his story because she said to me one day, you're always writing such dark things. Why don't you write something happier? And that's when I knew she was still reading my book. Wow. Well, I mean, it can't go either way because she, you know, it was your private notebook, but at the same time to have a reader slash critic slash editor in your life who's giving you feedback is also kind of a gift. Yes. And for it to be my mother, it really did me a lot. So she, she did encourage me in subtle ways, but she never came right out and said, you know, you should do this for your writing or you should do that for your writing. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, awesome story. So (laughs) tell me, tell me how it keeps going. I mean, in college, did you take writing classes? Well, I I only took the required English classes. When I was in um, high school, 
or junior high, I decided that I wanted to be a newspaper reporter for my mm-hmm. writing. And I thought that that would give me training so that I could then work as a reporter, but also write fiction. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how very different the two are. They are really yeah. two different sides of your brain. But I, I took the newspaper writing and I continued to write essays and, and poetry. And when I was in college, I met my husband, my now husband, and he really encouraged me to continue my writing. He and my mm-hmm. family, my sister, my, my two brothers, my parents have passed on, but my parents did things too. They would um, gift me with subscriptions to Writer's Digest for Christmas or books on how to write mystery, how to write fiction, how to find a uh, literary agent, books like they, they were very encouraging. And one year, well, after my husband and I got married, he bought a word processor, which was really a big upgrade from the manual typewriter. So I was really thrilled. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's what yes. we could put all of our manuscripts on disk. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, I, people don't know know what it was like before computers. And, you know, a word processor was an arc of a machine with those disks and yeah, swapping out the disks and doing this. But what a difference it made. Absolutely. I mean, the struggle was real, Julie. The struggle was real. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, <clears throat> you know, a lot of writers use quills or or typewriters for years so i mean it's possible but yeah i know it's it, computers and, and word processors made all the difference what a nice gift oh yes it was it was a tremendous gift and i could see where he was going with it and i was really excited so i got the word processor i was really excited it was like an early wedding present and then i i signed up to join a professional writing organization a local one a local chapter of a national organization and i went the first month i'm a tremendous introvert really mm-hmm. if you say to me do you want to go to a party or just sit in your room i will choose sit in my room all the time so i went to the first meeting and there were so many people there and i didn't yeah. know any of them so the second meeting, I was like, forget it. The third meeting, he said, hey, didn't you join a group? <laughs> I said, yes. He said, just just give it one more try, just one more try. So I went back the third month after skipping the second month. And as I walked in, all these people who I thought did not know me and I didn't have anything in common with them, they saw me walk in and they all called out in a chorus, Patricia! And I thought I had met my tribe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. It's community makes such a difference, doesn't it, on on your writing journey? Yes. Then you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. And finding them early. Don't wait till you've got a contract or, you know, you've finished your first draft or anything, find them early because it will, it can help you the whole time. Julie, that's such excellent advice. Yes. Find them early because they're, they're your safety net. Yeah. Yeah. And they understand, you know, they, they go through it with you. Yeah. Find them early. Yeah. Yeah. 
So have you over the years, uh, I want to talk about the genres you've written in because you've written in a couple different genres, but, you know, did you take workshops or, or how did you sort of keep honing your craft and figure out how to write a novel? Because it's, you have to learn how, and then the first draft, you know, fix it and all that kind of stuff. But writing a novel is not an easy process unto itself. Absolutely. And this kind of goes back to what you just said. Find your writing group early. Because without that group, you don't know what you don't know. And when you don't know what you don't know, you don't know what to ask. But this group helps to show you what you need to learn. So Mm -hmm. the group... Romance Writers of America, the local chapter, Central Heart of Fiction Writers, the two are not affiliated anymore. But they provided workshops and conferences, and they provided information about workshops and conferences, and also critique groups and Mm -hmm. um, uh, writing contests where you would get feedback on your submission from a published author or from someone who is further along on the writing journey, that feedback is critical. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, you know, RWA uh, played a role in a lot of writers' life because of, of the exactly what you've talked about, you know, what they offered for workshops and, and, uh, community and, and support. Um, and sisters in crime, uh, you know, does the same thing in different ways. Um, but you know, finding, finding an organization that can help you at every stage with both your craft and the business side and your community and everything else is such a gift. I agree. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, your romance writing uh, journey, but, you know, talk to me about your process for writing. Do you, you know, have you changed it? Is it different for your earlier work than the, you know, work you're doing now in the cozy mystery field? You know, how do you write a book? You know, that is such a great question. And, And I realized a couple of weeks ago with every book, I've been approaching it a little differently. I don't, I, I don't always do exactly the same thing. First of all, I'm a plotter. My last okay. outline, the outline for the book that I most recently turned in, was 40 pages. Because wow. I, I plot chapter by chapter, and then within each chapter, I plot theme by theme. And the reason I started, I, I did that is that Number one, I find a blank page frightening, like really super scary. It's worse than one of those paranormal haunting shows. Then (laughs) I had a a full-time job, which apparently my bosses had to find it 60 hours a week. So when I was writing, it was very important for me to get in and get out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No. And Patricia, that's such a great point. And that why, why outlines and plotting help so many people. Cause when you have a day job, you don't have as much time and you can't spend time trying to catch up to where you want to be. You need to just spend your 25 minutes writing. Oh, absolutely. And then when you put a family on top of that, forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yes. What I would do is I would write 
Well, I do <laughs> write detailed scenes. I copy and paste that into my manuscript page, and then I just flush out the scene. I don't necessarily read what I wrote the day before. I just start. And then when it comes mm-hmm. to the revision process, the pages aren't blank anymore. So I'm more yeah. comfortable, and I could just knit stuff together if the transitions don't work. Yeah. So, so it, by plotting with this really robust outline, you've got a, a solid first draft that you can start revising. Well, actually, it, it doesn't feel to me like a first draft. It feels more like, a, a, like you said, a robust outline. I have dialogue yeah. in there. I've got some scene descriptions in there, but it's not, it doesn't feel like a draft. It just feels like a, a really big <laughs> outline. <laughs> Well, how do you how do you do the outline? Do you start with a like in your brain? Do you know when you look at this outline? This is these are the three acts. This is the journey my character's going to go on. This is you know who did it. If it's a crime novel, I mean, do you do you think that all through before you start, or in doing the outline, do you work out all those details? Oh, excellent! Actually, I teach this workshop presentation. I'm not going to call it a workshop. It's called Fun with Plotting, where I discuss the seven things that I do to get to my outline. Because the goal is to get to my index card. So the first thing that I do is I come up with a log line. You know that one or two sentences that you use yeah. to describe your story? And then I come up with a goal, motivation, and conflict for my three main um, characters. So you'd have the romantic protagonist one, romantic protagonist two, and then you have the villain, or just the villain and the protagonist if it's a mystery. And there are other tools that I use, like the turning points and the stakes and the main plot, secondary plot. And then from that, the 25 things that have to happen, and boom, I'm on to my index cards. And then I take those index cards arrange them in the order that they need to be and boom, I've got my outline. Oh, Patricia, <clears throat> I want you to teach this this workshop <laughs> so I can take it. This sounds great. Are you a plotter? Um, Are you a plotter? Uh, I am actually a plotter, uh, but you know, it's it, it, I find it helpful for the same reason um, to to have something that I know is going to happen, but I'm finding lately I'm getting derailed because my plot, like in the middle of it, well, <laughs> it's all falls apart. So I need to get back and sort of, okay, what do I do? So I, I think I need to be more robust in my plotting. You know, what's funny. I was speaking with someone who also has like a, a quote unquote robust outline. And we both sometimes come to a point where the characters are like, no, we don't want to do this. <laughs> Yes, we know that exactly. you spent two weeks on us, but we don't want to do Yeah, that. sorry about that, but this isn't going to work out. <laughs> I, I wrote this story, Parallel, uh, Mayhem and Math, and I had this beautiful outline. It was about 37 pages long. It was really great. And then writing a manuscript in the middle of it, one of my characters quit her job. <laughs> <laughs> that was not in the cards. Literally, literally not in my image card. Yeah, I mean, there's... There's magic to writing. And, and you know, we, I talk a lot on this podcast and, and when I talk to people about this, about the mechanics and, you know, plotting and exactly story structure and all that, we can all talk about that. But there's something magical about the fact that these characters do show up 
and have opinions and throw things in the way. And, you know, the, the journey that you take with them is, uh, interactive and is something to wrestle with. And, and it's fine. I mean, that's the, that's the fun of writing. You can't force it. I mean, you have to, you have to still shape it into what you want it to be, but when they quit their job, you need to sort of just take a deep breath and go with it for a while and see what happens. Right. I love the way you put that. Yes. The magic, the magic of when the characters have, have come to life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 really interesting. Um, and this is why writers need to talk to each other, because if you talk to a non-writer about this, they might be a little bit worried about you. But <laughs> if you talk to writers, they'll, they're like, okay, yes, of course, it's great that she showed up, or, you know, <laughs> did you buy the earrings for her? Or, you know, I mean, it's... <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's a more interesting journey. I mean, I have actor friends, uh, you know, I worked in theater for many years as an administrator and I have actor friends who, when we talk about their journey of creating character, they have the same thing. I mean, they're going to be presenting their characters that are from the, but they build on backstories and what kind of coffee do they drink? And uh, they know so much more about their characters in order to play them fully and and it could take them places and help them make choices that they wouldn't necessarily make otherwise um so it's it's a very similar creative you know way of exploring character and exploring possibilities um so that there's a richer experience for for either the viewer in theater or film or the reader um it's exciting Oh my goodness, Julie. First of all, thank you for sharing that with me because that is tremendously interesting. And you reminded me, my extended family was very concerned when I was going to go away to college. My mother wanted me to go away because she thought it would help with my growth. Mm -hmm. Remember my whole bedroom versus the party thing? So I joined my high school drama guild and that was to help me become a little bit more self-confident. But those tools that I learned in the drama guild, I was in it for three years. It really does help with my writing. Absolutely. I, you know, there's... First of all, I mean, I'll just do a pitch for theater. Theater has something for everyone. Mm -hmm. Like everyone can play a role in theater, whether you're going to be on the stage or you're backstage or you're offstage, you're in the administrative offices. And that's why for, for, people who are feeling lost in in school it's go find your drama club you 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 could play a role but just by being as I said I've been an administrator but by being around people who do this it wears off on you you know you learn about structure I mean your drama class has probably helped you with story structure because it's the same thing (laughs) um you know mysteries and and plays have the same structure it's it's uh there's a lot to learn but i think it's really great advice to help people you know go join the drama club if you need to get out of your own way or find some people um because everyone has a role and and everyone's there it's a great you know great group of people very well put very well so your first books uh were romantic suspense yeah. Romantic suspense and, uh, you know, uh, mysteries with romance are two different things. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes people interchange them or they think that they can. And while certainly people who wrote, write romantic suspense 
can can get a lot out of being a part of Sisters in Crime or, or mystery writing organization. And uh, you know, mystery writers can learn a lot from romance writers. Um, you, it is a different genre, and that's where you went first. Now, were you always? Was it romance or was it mystery or was it that combination that drew you into that genre? Oh, Julie, it was definitely a combination, most definitely. Because to me, romantic suspense was like peanut butter and chocolate. (laughs) But you do, there, can you talk a little bit about the difference uh, between romantic suspense and like a cozy series with romantic elements? Oh, Because you know about them both. You've written them both. Absolutely. With romantic suspense, you have to have both elements for the story. If you take out the romance and you still have the story, then that's, you're not writing a romance. You're writing a suspense. The same litmus right. test would work in, in reverse. If you take out the suspense, but you still have your story, then you're not writing a romance. You're writing a romance with suspense elements. With romantic suspense, they're both intertwined, and you can't get rid of one without the other. Right. Right. When you're writing a cozy mystery, in my opinion, it's nice when you have that romantic interest. I, I, I think it's nice. But you don't have to have it for the cozy mystery. The amateur sleuth or the sleuth will solve the mystery without that attraction. So, for yes. example, um, I had <laughs> mentioned to you that I pulled a bit of an, out, an all-nighter to get my edits done. And one of the things that my um, editor asked is if I could, quote-unquote, juice up the romance in the cozy mystery I'd been. Well, uh, my original thought was no. <laughs> Since this seems so important to her, and it is our first book together, I, I did try to, to add a little, a few touches here and there, but the thing is, if you take them away, you still have the mystery. So it's all good. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, well, and this, you know, goes to talking about something we talked about before we started recording, but it's that relationship with your editor um, and and writing, starting a new series and how you're, you're working on world building. And, you know, an editor and a writer really have to have a meeting of minds or an understanding and a trust that you're both working towards the same end and, and helping you along uh, with that. But it can be the first book in a new series with a new editor can be a, um, a fraught time uh, for a writer as you're trying to figure out, do I like this advice or are they trying to rewrite my book? <laughs> right? I, I, re- yeah. I really appreciated when you had pointed that out earlier because I think you're so correct. The first time that you meet to discuss this project, and right now it's a three-book project, it's very important to know, okay, am I going to have some communication challenges with this editor? Are we seeing eye to eye? And one of the things that I liked, well, two things that I really liked, is that as soon as we agreed that we were going to take this leap together, 
she scheduled a phone conversation with me so that we could just talk about how we were going to go. And it's a lot easier to discuss that on the phone than to exchange emails because things could be misunderstood in an email. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Been there, done that, don't really want to do it again. Yep. But then the other yep. thing that she did that I really liked was that she said if any of the, after she gave me her feedback on the manuscript, if any of these suggestions do not ring true to you, then forget it. This is your story. It needs to reflect your vision. But these, yeah. are, these are what I was thinking. And I'm telling you, some of the feedback that she gave me, the changes were very exciting. Yeah. That's great. That's so great. It's a wonderful relationship, you know, when, uh, when it works, oh, <laughs> uh, it's a wonderful relationship, but you were that point for anything, but of having a conversation versus trying to exchange emails is so critical as well. It makes a big difference. I agree. Yeah. Oh. You can hear pauses or, you know, tone differences or, <laughs> um, you know, there's a, because there's subtext that comes up oh, in a conversation as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you've written several series. Have you written any standalones, Patricia, or is it all series? No, I've written several standalones. Okay. Do you have a preference of standalone versus series? That is such an excellent question. I'm going to answer it two ways. For business slash marketing purposes, I prefer the series. Yeah. But for creative purposes, sometimes I do prefer the one and done. Yeah, because you could do whatever you want. And then it's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are no repercussions you got to deal with in the next book. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You don't have to yeah. remember what kind of car they drive. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> Um, well, you've in recent years, uh, you know, moved into the cozy mystery genre, uh, and you're writing as Olivia Matthews. Um, and how was that shift from romantic suspense into cozy mysteries? Actually, that shift was a lot easier than from romantic suspense to contemporary. I remember when my editor said, we want to offer you another contract, but we want you to move into contemporary romances. I turned to my husband and I said, I don't know if I could plot a story without a dead body. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to miss that court. Yeah. It gives, every, it gives people something to talk about, yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a conversation yeah. topic. <laughs> yeah. That gives mm. you the reason to turn the page. But to me, I mean, I... I had grown into a writer devouring romantic suspense. I, I loved it in so many ways. To me, love is the greatest character motivation imaginable. Mm -hmm. So when mm -hmm. you have a suspense, and the because as I've mentioned, I, I like to work with everyday people, not the military or law enforcement. I like a, an ordinary person to go, oops, and then we follow them on the journey. Yeah, yeah. But 
But to me, love was the greatest motivation for that. So what am I supposed to do without the course? <laughs> well, you obviously figured it out because you wrote several contemporary romances. What occurred to me, thank you, Julie, is that when you in a romantic suspense, the primary antagonist is external. In a contemporary romance, the primary antagonist is internal. What mm-hmm. is it about you that's screwing up that relationship? And how are yeah. you going to fix it? Is it, worth, is it worth it to you to fix it? And if so, how are you going to do it? Yeah, that's such a great point. Say that again, because I think that's, you know, that's a note moment for people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it occurred to me that in um, a contemporary romance, the primary antagonist is internal. Yeah, it's, it's yourself. Exactly. It's your internal yeah. demons, your fears, your prejudices, your obsessions. That's what's preventing you from your happily ever after. No, it's so, it's so great. I mean, and again, I think those internal conflicts can work also in mysteries Absolutely. and I do, but, but that's, but for contemporary romance, that's, that's the ball game. That's what you're, <laughs> that's what you're battling is yourself. Exactly. And um, that's how I was able to plot both. Because since I didn't yeah. have the external villain anymore, yeah. what was I plotting against? So your segue and your move to um, Cozy uh, Mysteries uh, and Olivia, um, you uh, tell me about your series. You've got a series that the second book is coming out uh, this summer, summer of 22, as we're talking. And then you've got a new series that's going to start in 2023, which both of these numbers sounded so far in the future a couple <laughs> years ago. And now it's like, I, you know, it's tomorrow. So, um, so how did you move into uh, Cozy's and tell me about uh, your series? Oh, thank you. Ever since I was kicked out of romantic suspense, I've been trying to move back into my favorite genre, genres, which have murder, death, kill. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, well, contemporary romances, I really enjoy them, but I love puzzles. I love trying to figure out the mystery. One day I was talking with, um, I, I used to work for the Congregation of Dominican Sisters of Peace, and I was talking with one of the sisters, and she said something to me, making a connection between two news stories that, on the surface, did not seem like they were connected. And I thought, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. she would make a really great sleuth. And that's how my first cozy mystery series, Sister Lou Mysteries, was born. She was the inspiration I love for it. And I thought if I could move back into mysteries, maybe I could eventually get back to romantic suspense, like in baby steps. Yeah. But I really yeah. enjoyed the cozy mysteries because now it's a little bit of a struggle for me to write a story without any curse words. But it was really great to write something that you didn't have to get all sexy and you didn't have to get all murdery. It's just a, a puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. That's how I got into the cozy mysteries. Sadly, uh, the publisher ended the Sister Lou series, but fortunately, I was picked up by Hallmark for my Peach Coast Library mystery. At the time that my publisher ended the Sister Lou series, they cut me loose. My literary agent retired, 
and I was downsized from my day job. So I thought, I'm going to kind of need to ramp up this writing gig a little bit because I was having a little bit of trouble finding a new day job at this stage in my life. And that's why I I started writing the Peach Coast Library Mysteries, and I was fortunate to get a super awesome agent who was shopping my stuff like a fiend. And I got a second contract with another publisher for my Spice Isle Bakery mystery series. Your Spice Isle Bakery mystery series. That's the second mystery series. Yeah. So the, the Peach Coast Library Mysteries, the second book, Murder Out of Character, comes out October 2022. And the first book in the Island in the Sun, Spice Isle Bakery Mysteries, that's the first book, comes out in 2023. And so tell me a little bit about both these characters, because writing two series at the same time is possible. Many people do it, but it's keeping this world separate. You, you know, you're world building, completely world building two different worlds. How's that going for you? Did you make them so different that, you you know, it's really clear who belongs in one world and who belongs in the other? Do sometimes you, they you, you want to have a meetup or... <laughs> <laughs> The funny thing is, the amateur sleuth in my Peach Coast Library mystery was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And the amateur sleuth in my Spice Isle Bakery mystery lives in New York, lives in Brooklyn, New York. So that, that's kind of funny, but, you know, what are you going to do? Then, yeah. it, it is, if I, if I focus on the world building, it is... Um, easy to keep them separate because Peach Coast takes place in a small southern town, the Tisha small town in Georgia, mm-hmm. whereas Spicell Bakery takes place in the neighborhood where I grew up. So it, it and, and the characters speak differently because you've got the southernism in the Peach Coast books. Mm-hmm. And the heroine, the, the amateur sleuth, talks like someone who's, who's very well-read. Whereas the, the uh, amateur sleuth in the Spice Out Bakery series, she's much more relaxed. She doesn't talk like a corporate person. She used to work in, in corporate, but she's much more relaxed. She uses slang terms like my other heroine doesn't. So it's easy to get in their skin. And also... I listen to music that applies to the individual people. So yeah. for Spice Out Bakery, it's a West Indian American family. So I listen to a lot of Harry Belafonte and Bob Marley, and it just keeps me in that world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's such great tips for for um, for doing that and for this world building. And they both sound so exciting and, and fun to write. Um, what's, let's talk a little bit more about writing. Uh, what's the best piece and the worst piece of writing advice you've ever gotten? And what's your best piece of writing advice you give to folks? I think the best writing advice I've ever received was the advice to read Deb Dixon's Gold, Motivation, and Conflict. Gold, Motivation, and Conflict, that book helped me better understand how to plot my story. Because if you think about it, the character is the story. Mm -hmm. So when you can perfectly 
identify and explain your character's goal, motivation, and conflict, you have got the story. You've got the pacing. You've got what's driving the story forward. So that was the best, best piece of writing advice I've received. To talk about the worst piece of writing advice I've ever received, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but writing is a business. Let's not fool ourselves. (laughs) Writing is a business. I think the worst writing advice I ever received was that to market your first book, you need to write your, your best second book. Writing your best next book is your best marketing. Well, you stand back and think about that. If they can't find your first book, how are they going to find your second book, regardless of how good that is? So that's right. not really good advice. I think the best marketing advice is to get out there <laughs> and talk about yeah. your book. No, absolutely. And it is a business. I mean, it's a it's a business with art, but it's a business and, uh, navigating the business is tricky. Um, you know, it, uh, your sister Lou series, um, you know, it's not always our choice when things don't continue. And, you know, those characters still are part of you and you want to move on, but, but it's a business. So it's like, if, if Hallmark's going to give me a contract, I'm going to write this new series. I mean, let's, we're going to figure it out. Um, I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. It's really great. Um, we talked about the importance of community and, uh, and being part of it. You know, have you, uh, has Sisters in Crime played a role in your writing career that you didn't expect or that you, uh, you know, that you've discovered, um, along the way as we're this year celebrating 35 for Sisters in Crime? Sisters in Crime, I, I, there's so many resources that the organization offers to help you not only in the craft, but in the business of writing. And that has been tremendous because, as I mentioned, I was in a career down spiral. <laughs> Shortly after joining Sisters in Crime, and I really needed to ramp up how I was approaching my career as a business and to fine-tune, I'm always trying to get better with my writing. So that's one thing that Sisters in Crime has done for me with the resources. But then I I stepped a little bit out of my comfort zone, and I started um, volunteering with one of the committees. And that has also been just so fulfilling to, as you said, when you can talk to people and listen to people who are going through what you're going through, it's, it makes you feel like you're not alone. Makes all the difference, doesn't it? it it's a mental health thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also we get to celebrate each other's success and, and cheer each other on. And, and, uh, and that's a, a wonderful way to expel energy as well, because you need to cheer for other people. You can't, you know, it's, there's enough for all of us. You need to cheer for other people as well. Oh, absolutely. And the way that the members do it is, is really generous in spirit too, because it's sort of like, Hey, don't forget that pitch war is coming up and don't forget that this mentorship is coming up and if you don't 
know what's going on around you. They're keeping an eye out for you. That's another reason that community is so important. You can't do it on your own. You can't. Yeah. Yes, and there are so many writing organizations. Uh, Sister in Crime is definitely one, but there's so many writing organizations that can meet different needs. And so you really got to explore how you're going to build your community and, and find find them all So because they're all helpful in different ways. Absolutely. With one last conversation before, you know, as you're celebrating your sister and your mother and their roles and, and everything else, um, when we're talking about your publishing journey, which has been really interested, I, I've loved having this conversation with you. Um, what do you wish you'd known earlier? What If you could go back in a time machine and, and tell that person with her new word processor <laughs> something, what would you um, what would you tell her? To take risks and to not get comfortable because it's, there's only so much that's in your control. So yes. I, I feel that writers need to be willing to take risks step outside of their comfort zone and to challenge themselves. Be prepared for the next bump in the road. That's excellent advice. And taking risks when you're starting can be just finish the book and let somebody read it. Oh my I goodness, mean, yes. That's a risk, yes. right? I mean, <laughs> that's terrifying. Your risks need to keep getting bigger as you go. But, you know, at the beginning, just finishing a draft can feel risky, but it, it's, you know, do it. Um, yeah, oh, do it. Julie, I really appreciate what you just said. Take bigger risks as you grow. Start out with a small thing. Let your yeah. mother read your manuscript. Then just yes. grow from there. Yeah. Well, not all of us have a mother who finds it and reads it to <laughs> other people. <laughs> Some of us have a mother who was so afraid that she, what would happen if she didn't like it. <laughs> she, she put off reading your book. So there's that. <laughs> I remember my romantic suspense, one of my aunts, one of my mother's sisters, wanted to read it. And I thought, oh, I don't know. This is sexy parts of here. And my husband, you know, I have children, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's great. It's great. Well, this was such a fun conversation. Um, and I really appreciate it because after an all nighter of getting edits done, um, it's, uh, it, you know, <laughs> the fact that you're even coherent enough to have a conversation with me is incredibly impressive. So, um, thank you so much, Patricia, for this great conversation and, uh, congratulations on the series. Oh, thank you, Julian. Julie, you are a lot of fun. Great questions. I had a great time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Sisters in Crime is about community. We were founded to advocate for women crime writers, and we continue that mission by fighting for equity in the crime writing community. Sisters in Crime is an international, inclusive organization for all who write and love crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, and suspense. Join us at sistersincrime.org and make sure you subscribe to this podcast.